Let's talk about the economic picture after this week's data. Beth Ann Bovino joins us from S&P Global Ratings. She's the U.S. Chief Economist. Beth Ann, great to have you here this morning. Great to be here. So let's talk about what we learned this week. We got a warm CPI, we got a hot PPI. The market didn't seem to care about it too much until Bullard went hawkish on us and Mester too. Uh, did the data from the last five days maybe change what we should expect from the Fed chair? Well, I think that the I think that the the markets had been a little bit sanguine, already too sanguine. If we look at what they were saying, uh, what they were indicating in terms of their for uh, in terms of the forward uh, the forward curve for interest rates, they were expecting first the Fed uh, Fed funds never to get up to um, I think it was probably, uh, it might have been like 450 to 475 or maybe a little higher as a peak, and then a, and then a cut later this year, which I thought was uh, didn't seem likely given what the Fed was saying, and the Fed was saying they were planning to be long you know, higher for longer. Now with the incredibly high CPI and particularly that PPI reading uh, that seemed to spook them, then comes along the Fed and they've changed their tune. Now they have a, uh, I think they have a peak now at uh, I think 5.5 to 5.75 range. Uh, they still though expect a, a rate cut later this year, which I don't think is likely. Um, does that like seem insane at this point? How, how can they possibly cut rates when? We're still thinking, it yeah. seems. <laughs> Uh, the, the month over month for CPI warming up uh, and the PPI is downright hot, uh, but a lot of evidence suggests that our supply chain constraints have eased, China's reopened, energy prices aren't the problem. So what can we determine uh, with the kind of slowdown in the disinflation? Is that because there's so much demand? Is it because markets are back up and people are feeling comfortable in spending or what? I think there's a couple of factors. Well, one you just mentioned it. It seems like the the change the, the tune has changed from uh, talk about a hard landing versus a slow landing to now a no landing. Which again, I don't I don't think we have a we have a, a shallow recession in our in our base case, so that doesn't seem likely in my mind. Um, and I think that certainly caused a little bit of a, a let, you know things are you know things are looking a little better, and that also means prices, especially uh, the forward curve prices for say uh, energy prices picked up as well. Uh, the, um, I do think, though, that um, there has been a sign of disinflation in the goods market, and that's positive when we look at the supply chain indicators that we watched. That's a positive, and the Fed has mentioned that, but the worry is on the services side. Um, housing is incredibly hot, but even ex-housing services is strong. And when you mention those two, uh, PPI and CPI, don't forget those wage numbers. Uh, even though wages came down in the most recent number to about, I guess, 4.4% uh, year over year, that's twice what the historic mean is. So that means that the Fed is still concerned about that risk of a wage borrow. Okay. So that had been kind of set to the side. I heard a lot of chatter among economists that said, look, we don't have to worry about the wage spiral because uh, we've already seen kind of tempered gains. But now that it's really heating up, the reopen, the services side, uh, should we be still open? It sounds like you think we should be open to that possibility that um, these new jobs being added might kind of lift our, our hourly rate here and inject some demand in a very potentially inflationary way. I think that you know the the wage spiral. It has not. The question is, has it de-anchored? Has the has the uh, has wage gains uh, gone out of control? And it hasn't just yet. Uh, but the but the risk is always there. And you think about that jobs market. How incredibly tight it was. We saw what 517,000 uh, job gains uh, in January. Then you would add how incredibly strong the, the hours worked was as well. That suggests that businesses are going to continue to need hiring. And that also plays into case when we saw the job openings numbers. Job 
club openings, what I, I guess it was 11.5 million or so. Um, that was not the record that hit was hit a few uh, a year or so ago, but incredibly hot. And when we look at the job openings to unemployed ratio at about 1.9, that is well above what the Fed would like it to see at at as at around at around one. So, to, in my mind, the jobs market is incredibly tight, incredibly extreme, and I think the Fed still has work to do. Hmm. Now, uh, uh, should we, as we see the jobs side remain so strong and uh, in some ways kind of strengthen, does that lower our odds of recession? What is that connection? What's the connective thread right now between employment and the health of the economy? Uh, is there one? Because it seems like the Fed just went on a year of hiking rates like the fastest ever and our job market's barely cracked. Are the two even connected the way people think? Well, it's it's. Um, I, I'm not going to say this time is different because everybody we keep saying it. Everything every, it keeps being different. Um, but I would say that uh, what we're what we're thinking about one is that one of the reasons why we only had a shallow recession in our forecast was largely because of the resiliency of the household sector. Uh, you have incredibly. You've got the jobs market that we said. That means people are getting wages, even if the wages can't keep up with inflation, and they have not. Indeed, real wages have been negative for about 21 or so months, uh, but they, people still have jobs, and that means there is a cushion. Then you would talk about um, the ho basically household balance sheets, rather healthy, even after um, people have been eating into those savings, still rather healthy at around, it's about one trillion uh, above what households on average had in 2019, so still incredibly healthy, another cushion. Um, to me, that means that the so-called balance sheet recession seems less likely and a positive. But when you talked about how that plays into the Fed, what, what that also means with that really strong job market, it also makes the job more challenging for the Fed, meaning the Fed's not done yet. Um, you know, you're looking at maybe now five, five and a half to five, seven, five for the uh, Fed funds peak. It could very well be higher than that. That's our downside, that, that it could go up higher to even above 6%. Wow, okay, so uh, uh, f f higher than what the Fed has indicated so far. Uh, we're looking at the odds of recession, uh, which uh, we've seen different versions of this chart. Yours here looks at the yield curve spreads. Someone said something to me yesterday that was like kind of funny, but then kind of not. They, they basically joked that the deeper the inversion goes, and these are the inversions you're looking at, they're just in inverted basically from the way we think about them. Um, Somebody said the deeper the yield curve inversion goes without a terrible recession, it's like the bolder people are getting and just saying this thing's broken, it's not gonna work, which of course uh, could lead us to a, a major, major wake up if that's not the case. So this deepening yield curve, uh, I mean, it's, it's worse than 08, it's worse than a lot, pretty much all our other recessions in terms of the depth of negativity. Does that correlate with the extremity of the outcome? Well, I think that when I when I when I hear the statement, just um, you know, ignore the yield curve. Well, uh, ignore it at your own risk. Uh, history, history has shown that the ten to three the ten to three month uh, yield curve um, has been uh, has basically had no soft false positives going back to, I believe, the 1980s. That's when the, that, that's the data goes back as far. Um, there was one, and we also look at, I would say don't look at daily averages. They're way too volatile. A lot of technical factors that go into play there. But if you look at monthly averages, the, um, the, the, the signal has been 
pretty accurate, very, what am I saying, very accurate, going back to 1980. Uh, we look at a we look at a monthly average for the yield curve, uh, the 10-year three-month, and then we actually kind of confirm with the second-month average to really uh, so, uh, solidify that. But in our we, we in our business cycle barometer, uh, that indicator, uh, the, ter the term spread indicator just turned negative, and now that means seven, um, seven of our of our 10 indicators are negative. And we have, we have found historically in this on our dashboard, if we saw over 50% a, a recession came uh, within the next uh, 12 months. And that to me sounds like the odds aren't very good. Okay. Uh, Beth Ann, great convo. Looking forward to more this year. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ms. Bovino is the U.S. Chief Economist at S&P Global Ratings. All right, definitely a tone here that uh, suggests the Fed will have to get a bit more aggressive thinking above 6% uh, for the terminal rate, according to the analysis from Beth.